The Y Curve with Phil Dobby and Roger Hearing. Should you be able to lurk on the net? Should we all be able to say what we think and no one knows who we are? Or is anonymity the poison at the heart of the internet? What lets trolls destroy lives and reputations and bots steer the conversation in ways it was never meant to go? But what about the campaigners for freedom who have to avoid being identified by authoritarian regimes? Surely they deserve their anonymity for their own safety. As apps under pressure from governments move to put in age restrictions and curb hate speech, is there a risk that a valuable free speech forum is coming to an end? The why? Curve. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Now, I feel like, Roger, that you know the next couple of years are going to be very interesting in the way the internet goes. It will either turn into the Wild West or we'll start to see some control coming back. But I'm not quite sure what role Elon Musk is going to play in well, that part, because he, yeah. he seems focused on the Wild West approach. Well, he does, but it does seem to be something that isn't to his benefit, really, or to anyone's benefit. I think I think people are watching that. A lot of people are watching to see what he will do and how far it will go and how successful it will be, and the answer seems to be not very successful. But I think the wider issue is on all the other platforms that exist and all the new ones that are coming to fruition, how far will they take it? Uh, and is mm. there a sense that we'll all end up in silos, just talking to people who think exactly like ourselves, and you know that really will pull something away from it? Well, it sort of happens already, doesn't it, really? I hate to think how many people I've blocked on Twitter because they've just had such nonsense arguments I didn't want to hear. Maybe I should be open to them. But then there's the other side. You're very intolerant. (laughs) I am very intolerant. You know that about me, though, I'm sure. But I I mean, there's. But then there are things that we have to be intolerant about. Like, for example, kids seeing porn. So the uh, Children's Commissioner says 27% of children have viewed porn by 11 years of age. And I don't know how. I mean, that's the. You know, that's just an example of the ills of the internet. There's so much of that stuff. How do you control it? And sure, you can say, well, okay. We can go after the people who are breaking the law, uh, law who are paste, posting this stuff. Uh, but I mean, you know, can you always find them? That is the that's the well, question. that's that's the thing about anonymity. Can people be tracked down? Accountability has mm. to be a big part of of what happens, and that is very difficult. We know, particularly if people are outside the borders of the country that you happen to have legislative control over. So, but I, I get a sense that I that this isn't really controllable. Well, we've opened up something, and we have to see how it will sort itself out. And all we can do really is tinker at the edges. Yeah, well, uh, let's uh, let's look into this a bit further with uh, Dr. Catherine Flick. Uh, she is a reader in computing and social responsibility at De Montfort University in Leicester, named after uh, the uh, 13th century Earl of Leicester. Actually, Simon de Montfort, yes. And then free speech was something else at that point. Uh, and indeed, he paid for it. So, Catherine, should I need to prove who I am before I get onto the net? So, you know, I do sort of, before I can sign up to Facebook and Twitter to an extent, but do you think we're going to get to a stage where actually we all have to prove who we are, maybe not publicly declare it, but go through some sort of process to prove who we are before we can take part in, you know, before we can even open a web browser and engage in conversations online? Right. OK, so there's two levels to that question. It's before before you get to the Internet, right, which you already do because you pay for your Internet um, service mm. provider, right? So they know who you are. Um, they have the ability, t- technically speaking, to be able to, you know, eavesdrop pretty much on on, on a lot of the stuff that you do. Um, obviously, anything that's end-to-end encrypted, that won't happen. But for most, like, you know, they'll, they'll be able to see see the sorts of things that you're, you're likely to be doing if they need to and if they want to. And that's, um, you know, that 
law enforcement. Or the law authority, the, the law asks them mm. to, I guess is yeah. the point. Yeah, yeah. and there's a, this, is, this is a lot of the discussion that's been happening over the last few years about things like metadata. You hear a lot about those, 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 those conversations. Um, that tends to be about, you know, the activity, because they can't see necessarily what you're reading on a website, but they know that you've visited websites. I mean, that's, it's, it's, just how the protocols work for mm. how you browse the internet. But in terms of things like social media, um, th- they don't have any innate ability to know exactly who you are unless you happen to um, attach like a credit card or something to it. So say, for example, you're you know, subscribing to a website uh, and they require a credit card. That's that's how they would know. Um, so <laughs> if if I were on if I were on X Twitter, whatever we're calling mm-hmm. it this week, and I had I could put up a personality, I could give myself a name, I could I could do all kinds of things, and it wouldn't be visible uh, unless I choose for it to be so. That that's as we sit right now. Right. That's definitely true. They can't identify me. No. Well, Twitter definitely no. They can't. They don't have no idea who you are. Um, all they'll all they'll be able to tell is. Uh, whereabouts you're coming from so they might, and, and even then it's not always um, very accurate so this is this, this is assuming that you don't go through any attempts to anonymize yourself say by using a, a virtual private network or anything else that will completely obscure your identity uh, if you're just you sitting it down at your computer um, not particularly technically capable. I'm so, no assumptions about you personally. This is you. No, no, no. <laughs> Very accurate assumptions. But yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. If we just assume that, then yes, you could you could make up an entire uh, false persona, uh, and they would all they would know about you is is about roughly about where you live, who your internet service provider is, um, and a couple of details about your your browser, like what web, what what operating system you use, what web browser you use, what phone you use, that sort of thing. But from these internet providers, so if Roger did something scandalous, which was actually against the law online, and we wanted to trace it, we're not going to mention if we that. We wanted to trace it back to him. Uh, then presumably, and you know, the right uh, the warrants were issued. Presumably, that can be found out. So if anyone yep. breaks the law online, we do have a way. So long as they're in this country, and there's the rub, I guess we have yes. a way of finding out who they are. Yes, exactly right, and that's how they um, got the fellow who talked about. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't want to say it in case they start thinking I'm going to say it. But the, the fellow who, who threatened the Robin Hood airport, remember, a yeah. few years back. Oh, uh, yes, yeah. that, was, that, was, that was quite a famous yeah. case. Yeah. Don't use so, the word so bomb. So basically, yes. Basically. So there are already ways of, of doing that, right? Um, and I think that this, this kind of gets to the, the, the meat of it. It's that people... Well, firstly, most people are not particularly technically capable of really obscuring who they are. Um, And the sorts of people who are not that technically capable of really obscuring who they are are the sorts of people who probably um, don't either don't really understand the separation between kind of reality, like real life and Internet life i.e. that there isn't any separation, um, or they, they think they can kind of hide um, behind perhaps a fake name or something like that. Uh, but really, when it comes down to it, you, you know, there's a lot that can be done to, to find out who's behind these false personas. So what you're saying, just to get it absolutely clear, you're saying at the moment, if I put something on X Twitter, they, they don't know who I am, but it is they can establish it. They choose not to, in other words. Correct, yes. So, yes, at the moment, that's that's right. And usually they won't make any um, – they won't bother to, to try unless law enforcement gets involved. Right. But you say something on, on, on Twitter or X, 
you've got an IP address associated with that. That can get traced back to, to your internet provider. Your internet provider, if they're issued with a warrant, has to say who was using that IP address at, uh, at that time. And gotcha, the police are knocking on your door. That's basically yep. the way it works, yeah. Yep. So w- what happens if you are using, uh, you know, you're, you're engaged in some sort of uh, scurrilous activity and you're using encrypted messages? So this is the government's big concern, isn't it? How much is happening which is not... A- which they can't see so they can't trace it back because it's happening through encrypted messages uh, and that's you know that which is why the the online safety bill which is just passed as law in the uk is trying to challenge that so they should be able to break open these encryptions so they can see absolutely everything get total visibility right so there's a couple of different levels to that as well and i'm not an encryption expert i'll just just going to put that straight out there. so this is uh, from my understanding i mean you know uh, you know a well-educated understanding but but um so you can still do a lot of these things, right? You can still have an IP address that is 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 associated um, with a person that is sending encrypted messages. So let's say I'm sending you messages um, and the police want to know what's in those messages, right? So if they just want to eavesdrop, like so they can, um, there are different technical ways that they can do that, but they can basically eavesdrop on our messages. A bit like if we were sending email to each other, which are not encrypted, they could potentially, given a bit of technical wizardry um, they could potentially eavesdrop on our email messages um, now with the end-to-end encryption they won't be able to eavesdrop in that in that easy way it's a very easy thing to do to, to, to potentially eavesdrop on, on email messages but with end-to-end encryption it's not at all easy in fact it's impossible unless either you or I let them in essentially um, and so the real issues that they want to address with the end-to-end encryption are conversations where both parties don't want the police to be let in to the, to the conversation. So that's unlikely to be abuse, like abuse, you know, let's say you're a famous personality and I'm sending you lots of really horrible messages, you would probably want to go to the police and say, hey, Catherine is, or this this person is sending me lots of horrible messages. Can you can you work out who they are and, and stop it? And the police would be, all right. So, so I would be opting out of the encryption in effect and that's all you need, just one key. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. So what that, yeah, so the, the, the issues that they're trying to solve, well, solve, quote unquote, I mean, I'm, I'm not a, I don't think they're actually going to be solving the issues um, are uh, these, these conversations Conversations, and they'd be things like they're, they're worried about terrorist activity. They're worried about conversations between people who are doing illicit things, not conversations between um, a, a, a victim and a uh, an abuser, for example. OK, so we yeah. kind of got the technicalities out there, what's possible and what's not. The problem is or has been in certain social medias, um, trolls, people who say things feeling that they are at least anonymous and can say it for that reason. And much of the internet hate, hate speech seems to be based on that. If they were clearly identified, do you think that would begin to curb that sort of thing? No, because it's never done that in the past. <laughs> so Facebook has had a real name, well, they had a real name policy for a long time and that never solved, it didn't solve the that, that problem at all. In fact, people are quite happy to say really obnoxious things with their, you know, real name, their place of employment, you know, the name of their husband, wife, cat, you know, right there on their profile. They're, they're quite happy to do that. And they've done that to MPs, they've done that to, you know, famous celebrities, they've done that to companies, you know, it, it's it's... It's well known that actually anonymity is really, um, it's not 
not as big of a deal as people seem to think it is. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's we've had cases forever. I mean, the, since the internet be, since the internet began, there have been what, what used to be called flame wars back on bulletin boards and Usenet and the old fashioned ways of, of communicating and and classic email lists and things like that. And, and they so they just migrated to different networks as as people as people have moved um, onto new technologies. So it's. It's, it's not, not a, a new problem. And so it's not a can, yeah, and you know, it's not even an internet problem, is it? So you look at some of the no. some of the scandalous things that are said on GB News, and those people, those presenters, seem quite happy to have their name out there uh, associated with what they're saying. So, but so it then becomes the question of uh, who's policing what is said, and that's the diff. This is the difficulty, isn't it? This is the ethical question. If you say something that might upset someone, well, I mean, that's just part of life. That could happen in everyday life. That could happen in a pub or a shopping centre or whatever. But it's uh, but it's if, if you say something which is on the verge of the law, is it up to the police to police that? Is it up to the social media platform to provide it? Is it your internet provider? Who looks after all that sort of stuff? But, but also, it's not just saying something that might be abusive. It's saying something potentially that is factually wrong, information. Mm. I mean, the obvious example is on COVID and jabs. Putting things out there in effect, to lead people to wrong and potentially dangerous conclusions. Right, but then people, you know, people hold that view, Roger, and they'd say, well, that's a bona fide view as far as I'm concerned. The fact that I haven't got any science behind it, they'd say, that is still my view, and shouldn't I be allowed to discuss it? So the issue with social networks is that they basically provide an environment for people to come together, mm. right? And that might be under a particular theme, like Facebook groups, or it might be under a more general, broad audience, like or like Twitter, for example, or X, as, as it's now called. Um, and so really what it comes down to is what are the actual expectations of behavior on in these spaces? So if you've got a closed Facebook group that's for like cancer survivors, for example, or something like that, then it's a space where people are generally fairly respectful and they might, you know, talk about certain things, but they don't tend to, you know, hopefully they won't abuse each well, other. They, right? they and if they do, police, usually... they? So if somebody said cancer is a scam, they'd be out there straight away. <laughs> exactly. But the person who does that is a local moderator, right? Someone that knows the community, that is part of the community usually, um, and they have sort of the ability to actually do that, right? But in, in broader spaces like Twitter, there are no like local moderators. It's all down to the company to actually do this. And so really what you end up seeing is, especially if they start laying off content moderators, is you start to see this creep in, in 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 expectation of behavior from something that's maybe respectful or at least you know jovially like kind of you know like to and fro in a way that's not you know abusive and then and then that kind of that that creeps out and creeps out until it becomes you know the accept, accepted behavior is for everybody to pile on each other right so do you think that's happening by the way because i sense that myself i feel as though it's a, a less respectful place now and i see more outlandish messages and I don't know whether it's because I'm getting the focus of outlandish messages now because there's an algorithm saying uh, oh, he's a bit too left of centre let's move him back to the right uh, or, or or is it just because there's less moderators are you seeing that actually happening you give that as an example but, there, but there are basically no moderators on, on, on X now pretty much yeah. isn't that the I mean, well there are there are but they're really only they're only moderating the very hardest stuff um, which is the people that Elon Musk doesn't like like <laughs> right <laughs> so and I guess they're probably also going after things like, um, you know, child abuse uh, stuff and things like that, which they're required to by law, right? So, um, 
Uh, but, you know, if someone just yells yells at somebody, I mean, Americans have got their kind of free speech thing going on and Elon Musk is particularly keen on that. And he, so he's just going to let it go until he gets into trouble for it, really. he's that, that That's the sort of his MO, right? So um, whereas in the past they were much more proactive in in policing speech and, make, and trying to make it a more... Um, kind of like nice community to be on right so if you reported somebody for harassment or whatever they'd probably get either you know a suspension or a ban or something like that right but these days they probably don't get that and i mean you see some of these new social media sites so like mastodon and uh pebble and uh co-host and some blue sky they've got different moderation policies and some of those are very different so for example um mastodon is moderated by by individual server moderators and they can basically block out half of the social network if they want if they think that the you know the people coming from other servers are you know horrible or, or whatever they can do it for whatever reason it doesn't doesn't really matter um, and that's a very different way of going about it um, places like pebble are going in with like a kind of a human rights focus to start with and they want everybody to be as nice as possible so they have like little AI prompts if you start swearing in your potential message and you know they say things like oh uh, normally we don't swear at each other on this website and, and, you know, but you can still swear if you like or something like this little AI prompt that tells you this, right? So it's, it's obviously trying to, to, to push people to certain type of behavior. And then but, but they, they have, have a very a solid moderate. Hmm? They have, they have so few people on those sites. And that's the problem because in the end, X, Twitter, whatever we're calling it is some, a mass communication uh, mechanism. And the ones you're talking about are only ever going to be more small sections of that. So they can do what they like and not and people won't get excited either way. But the problem with something like Twitter is it is pretty much, you know, there's no danger that if something like Twitter becomes more extreme in its views. I mean, is that what happens if you just leave it? If you leave the Wild West of the Internet on its own, does it just become more extreme? Does the do the more extreme voices drown out the more moderate voices? Well, this is this is this. These two things are the same thing, right? I mean, mm. you you'll end up with a smaller part. I mean, you see lots of people who have left Twitter. I mean, I'm I'm one of the people who've, who's left Twitter, and a lot of people are leaving Twitter, or at least you know, um, just keeping a, a an open account to to save their name. But what you will see is if if it becomes a you know horrible abusive environment to to be in, and everyone only talks about you know right far right talking points that's going to you know not be in a place where you people who don't want to talk about far right talking points will want to be so they'll go somewhere else and so i i think what we are actually seeing here is actually um probably a fairly natural and en- like entropy issue right so you know things get more and more complicated over time and what we're going to see is more fragmentation of social social groups and i think that this is actually a fairly natural part of where the internet was probably going to go anyway so you know we're not going to have so many large social media spaces because i think people are, are going to want to curate who they are and where they are and, you know, who their audiences are a lot more um, now that they've seen that there are different spaces that you can do that, right? But but that will be a loss, won't it? Because part of the joy of, of Twitter in the early days was that it was a conversation across international boundaries. Everyone was there talking. Yes, it got abusive. Yes, it was difficult. Yes, it, it wasn't always informative in the right way. But at least the conversation was happening between people at really opposite poles. And that was a good thing, wasn't well, it? Well, I mean, I don't know they were that opposite poles. I mean, there were some opposite poles, but I think um, <laughs> it, it was it was really, I mean, Twitter in the early days specifically was the, the, the what they call the technorati, right? 
it was technically capable people, people who are reasonably highly educated. Um, And so it was it was not really the same sort of space that it's been the last five years anyway. Uh, So I think I mean, and, and when Blue Sky opened up, people kept on saying, oh, it's just like the beginning of Twitter. Right. And that was because it was invite only. It was the technorati again, inviting all their friends. And then, um, you know, there are different kind of sub community groups of, of old Twitter that were invited over that are particularly active, like black Twitter and, and academic Twitter. And, and, and so these spaces, are, but these spaces are kind of ones that have very strong identities in themselves anyway. And so wherever they go, all their friends are going to go. And, and it's, I mean, it's a fairly natural thing. I mean, I do think it's a loss to be honest, like, 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 as you say though, because it was nice to be able to kind of just shout into the void a bit and then kind of get a bunch of, you know, people that maybe wouldn't normally respond back to you. But as you know, as long as it was done in a, a kind of a reasonable way. Right. And nobody really likes abuse and so when you get kind of abusive messages back it's that's not really a space that you want to be in so i can see why certainly why people people don't want to be in that space anymore and i think it is a loss i mean there's a lot of people that i wouldn't have met and i wouldn't have got a lot of collaborations happening if it hadn't been for twitter um and yeah, I mean, it is, it's, it's a real, it's, it's actually sad. But what about this, the other element of this? And I mean, staying with X or Twitter, I mean, Elon Musk has said that, you know, he's thinking that everyone's going to have to pay for Twitter. Good luck with that, Elon. Uh, but, you know, a small amount of money, because the only way that he can be sure that you are who you are, that you are real uh, and not a bot... The easiest way of knowing that is if you pay a small fee, because then they can identify you, clarify you as being a real person because you've got a bank account. So that stops all these bot farms. And they would be part of this aggression, of course, wouldn't they? Because some ideas are pushed out there, which are just so crazy, but more and more people believe it because they get told the same thing so many times because it's not real people telling them that. So maybe he's got a point yeah, on it's, this. It's people pretending to be people with more authority, perhaps. You well, know, it's, it's not necessarily being anonymous, but being but taking on another well, guy. It's computers pretending to be people. I mean, that's and on on that maybe he's got a point. I think though that there's a lot of this, a lot of um, responsibilities being put onto these bots that I don't. I, from what I've seen in the, the the work that I've seen, really doesn't actually. They don't actually do a lot just by themselves. A lot of what they do is is um, uh, kind of repost things from actual real people, right? So there's still real people behind the the messages or whatever it is they just kind of ampli- amplify those messages right <laughs> but then this comes back to the social the social side of this again right i mean you're not going to just listen to a random person on your feed say oh you know um uh, i don't know whatever the conspiracy theory of the f- flavor of the month is right but you'll listen to your friend who uh you know you really respect say that right or repost it or or whatever and and i think that there's there's it's a lot more complicated than just getting rid of the bots because i think that the bots they amplify it but they i think getting rid of those entirely um is not going to solve this this problem and because the problem is ultimately a social problem of people talking to each other i mean we've had things like chain chain letters and and you know conspiracy theories back to year dot right it's not it's not a technical um Right, but this is it on acid, isn't it? I mean, if you 
if you've got an algorithm which is there trying to say, oh, we think you'd like to hear from this person, and this person seems to talk about the same stuff as you, that's all great. Everyone would be happy with algorithms if that was the case. But if those algorithms are confused because you've just expressed an interest in one subject and then that gets amplified and then it gets related to another subject, which is also getting amplified, and it's bots that are doing all of this, and then all of a sudden you're finding you're getting a whole load of messages uh, in your feed about uh, you know how uh, Donald Trump lost the last election and we should all rise up and uh, take over America come the next election you start getting lots of that in your feed I mean you might think it's ridiculous you might even share it to show how ridiculous it is to one of your friends and then the algorithm picks up on that and says oh my god you're into this let's send you more of that stuff <laughs> yep. and you know and you can see how it can all just get out but of control but this is also an algorithmic problem well are algorithms rather than bots the problem mm. is it algorithms we should be, be concerned about rather yeah, than yeah well I mean I think that that's I think the algorithms are definitely more problematic than the bots um, and the algorithms themselves are the, the the main drivers of the recommendation systems that then you know feed upon themselves and 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 keep recommending you know it's the same with YouTube right YouTube doesn't have bots so much I mean it does but it's more more complicated than that um, but a lot of what a lot of what drives the kind of radicalism uh, line in on YouTube is actually just other you know it's 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 people it's the it's the recommendation algorithm picking out people's videos and going off on a trail of that so it's not about so much computer generated stuff there so yeah it does it get worse though now we have artificial Mm -hmm. intelligence and yes. this world of deep fakes, for example. So when we, yes. you know, uh, when we see, uh, you know, we could see, for example, Rishi Sunak saying, I don't know, all sorts of scandalous things. Yeah, vote, exactly. vote Labour, possibly. Um, yeah. Or, yeah. And sometimes assuming it has and, to be and, a fake. And, 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 and I suppose, yeah, I mean, deep fakes are a form of anonymity themselves in a way, because you're creating something that isn't there. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess so, yes. But, I mean, it's not, you, you wouldn't be creating stuff of yourself. Um, but I, I think... I think the deep fake stuff is actually more complicated because it's 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 a completely different vector for attack, right? I mean, it's it's about creating um plausible uh untruths, right? And and having those and then and then there'll be a, a volume of those because it it'll be about I mean, the whole thing about virality is about finding the message that sticks, right? And the one that people want to repeat. And so, or, or that shocks people enough, or that is catchy, or that is, you know, interesting, or whatever. And so, there's going to be a lot of stuff out there. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how social networks like, like YouTube, for example, and I mean, I guess Twitter and whoever, how, how people respond, how they respond to that. Because I suspect when it comes around to the American election in particular, um, and, and the UK elections coming up in the, you know, coming years, that we're going to see a lot of, uh, problematic uh material that that won't be within the rules let's just say um and and then we'll be you know it's it's, it's the boundary in, isn't it i guess yeah so i mean if we yeah. saw if you saw bill gates saying oh look the covid vaccine I was wrong on that. It's just rubbish. It doesn't do any good whatsoever. Then you then you go, okay, that's got to be a fake. But when you're seeing a, a a party political message, which is sort of almost believable, I see increase, yeah. increasingly uh, it's difficult to tell, of course, because so many of the party political messages that are real are unbelievable. <laughs> so, I mean, that divide is getting squeezed pretty much, isn't it, in the UK? And I think it's the same in the rest of the world. So then, yeah. So then you have a deep fake 
Uh, you have an algorithm. You have bots amplifying it all. Uh, I mean, there's. It, it sounds like the end of democracy to me. I mean, I might be overplaying it a bit, but it sounds like a disaster. Well, one of the things that happened in in the previous election was that was the question of who is trying to do this. In the suggestion, the Russians were trying to manipulate the U.S. election, and that comes down to traceability and anonymity once more. How far is any of this originating from a source that has a great interest in it? Right. I mean, we've just seen sort of you know. Um, Chinese networks broken up as well, right? So there's, I mean, this, like I say, like I said, it's, this is definitely a, a potential attack vector on not just you know um, particular MPs or, or or parties, but but the entire uh, entirety of, of the democratic system, really, especially here um, in the UK and in, in America, I think, because of the the visibility of those systems, right? And and these are big these are big issues, and I think that it's it's it'll be naive. I mean, I don't know why the, um, the all this current focus on on future like AI taking over the world and all this sort of stuff is 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 being ha- having money put into it when really the the problems are, are now and immediate. We, I mean, we have um, these sorts of creative creative AI. Uh, um, te- technologies out there being used for nefarious purposes. We have people who have been, um, you know, vulnerable people who have been exploit- exploited by those, right? I mean, we already see that they're making decisions in, you know, universal credit and, and, and credit rating systems and mortgages and all sorts of things like that and crime. Um, and then, you know, we have the people who have been exploited at the other end who've been the ones who've, who've been training these models, right? So um, the data that goes into these models is, is terrible and, and it's, it's biased and they, they get people who are in, you know, um, vulnerable situations. So like, you know, uh, developing countries to, to do the, do the uh, training of this data and, and it's not, you know, it's not really in a, in a state that, is going to make for intelligent, for useful, for long-termly um, mm. beneficial decisions for, for society. And it's very much about short-term gain. And I, that really bothers me. Right. So they <laughs> sure. are, there's a whole new tangent, isn't it? It's possibly a bigger worry than anything we've been talking about so far. So, Catherine, I mean, we've, we've, we've wrung our hands a lot about the current situation and what it's like. What's the way forward? Because, I mean, you said that anonymity is is a difficult concept in this. I mean, if we could trace who is responsible for these things, the normal way societies work, if something is undesirable, you trace who's doing it and you stop them. Is that possible? Is that way forward? So we can do that. We can do that within this country, can't we? But we don't have, obviously, the UK government doesn't have jurisdiction for what is being done by the Chinese or by the Russians or even by the French or anybody. You know, so, is it, I mean, so isn't that part of the problem that, you know, and is that should we be saying, well, okay, if there's material which is being posted and it comes from outside, you know, the outside the UK, maybe we, you know, or outside what are declared safe countries, there's some sort of tick mark or something to show, obviously a different one to the uh, to the X tick mark, different colour perhaps, uh, to show that, uh, you know, this is, this is tr- treat this co- uh, content with, with caution perhaps. Yeah, but there's, there's issues with that as well, right? Because you don't want to sort of become like the Great Wall of China, you know, the, well, the Great Firewall of China, right? You don't want to sort of lock everything else out and say, well, only things that are developed within the country is, are trustworthy, okay? And I, mean, I don't think you'd ever get anyone really to sign up to that either, practically speaking. So um, it's, it's, it's more complicated than that. And I think it's really, there's a, there's a multi-pronged kind of approach that needs to be taken. And part of that is education. It's about critical thinking. It's about being able to que- questioning things that you read, right? It's about, um, uh, so, so that needs to happen at an early stage. I mean, we should be teaching, I mean, I, I know that, 
I mean, as a, as a university lecturer, I guess I have my uh, my my uh, bias, conflict of interest yes, flag waving you're here. You're contributing but... <laughs> to the general good in that way. I yeah, guess. right. But I mean, so there's that side of things. But I mean, it should be done at a much earlier age, right? But um, uh, but also there needs to be certain expectations from governments and I you know I mean I don't think this is really doable just within the UK potentially although we're now starting to see um, like the EU take big tech companies to task for their moderation and things like that so it's worthwhile joining those sorts of efforts um, I think we do we need to put pressure on the tech companies to actually take more responsibility for the content that is happening on their systems and I think that some of these um, you know these big companies have been getting away with it for a really long time and particularly you know X under Elon Musk is is in a really um, precarious state for that, and I think that it's going to be quite a it's going to be a very potentially damaging space. I mean, the other thing is also is that you know as um, people of note, uh, that you know if they if we're seeing uh, platforms like Twitter slash X getting problematic we they, they there needs to be somewhere else to go right i mean I, I don't like the fact that if i still want to you know talk to my mp or or something on on a social media site i have to go back to twitter for that there should be some sort of alternate method um, or you know alternate platform that people go to um mm. that isn't one of so, these so not tiktok ones. not insta none, none of those others like that you know I mean, we've been talking about x but we haven't really said you know insta yeah. and TikTok are out there and there are lots more yep. besides, many of them talking to a younger generation. Well, absolutely right. I mean, Twitter has only got about, I mean, they don't even have that many people on Twitter comparatively to, say, Facebook and things like that and Instagram. Um, and, and I mean, TikTok, as you say, is a, is a different generational thing. And I think that actually it might behoove, especially, parlim- you know, parliament parliamentarians and, and um, political figures to actually work a little bit more with some of these other um, these other uh, technical spaces because I think you know that way they get to talk to more than just journalists and academics and people you know technically capable people who who like to sit and, and pontificate on the internet all day right I mean <laughs> it's a it's a different it's a different uh, different space and I I think it's dangerous for for any um, um, particularly in politics, I think to to get wrapped up with any one particular company like X or Twitter, um, I think it's I think it they should definitely be branching out. I mean, even even considering something like I mean, I know you know Mastodon is is like you say it's not only a small space, but the nice thing about that is that they can run their own server on that, and they could have you know they would all be verified, and then they could block you know potentially abusive servers, and there's a lot more uh, control that they could actually have over their own um, inputs and outputs. Let's just say uh, in terms of social media, and I think that that's definitely a, a possibility that could be, and we're starting to see actually some the German um, German governments actually got a, a mastodon presence um, and. I think there's a couple of other places that are looking at doing so. That's so all, that's all about people identifying, mm-hmm. or at least verifying who they are, so yep. that you know that you could, so that you know they're not a bot. You can you can trust them. And if, if we didn't do that, if we if we all platforms were open to everyone, given that we've got you know the the, the developments in technology, are, are we going to you know is there a danger that things will just uh, come to a, a grinding halt? So like my landline phone, for example. 
I mean, that is now exclusively for telemarketers and people trying to extract my bank account details from me. Yes. Uh, there's, I mean, I just we, don't we use it. We should explain it's, to younger listeners what a landline, landline is. phone yeah. is. Exactly. So, I mean, it is completely... There's, there's a technology now which is basically, because it's not being regulated, and God knows how you would do that, it is now, you know, virtually useless, unusable, because it's been taken over by people using it for precisely the wrong well, purposes. Well, actually, telephones have been, have been, are very heavily regulated. I mean, there's an entire regulatory body, body that's, that's, that's about tele, you know, telephony. Um, and I think that the, the issue is, is that it hasn't reacted so quickly to alternatives to telephony, right? So the internet. And I mean, this is a classic issue with technology is that it takes forever for the law to catch up. And there's always going to be a, a, a bit of a wild west that then eventually settles it, settles down once the law kind of catches up and says, oh, yeah, well, you should probably not do that, you know, because it breaks electoral law. Or but will whatever. the law ever catch up? I mean, no. just as it has it there's always new yeah, stuff. Exa- yep. Yep. So isn't there a danger that if it doesn't catch up and we don't regulate, it's, it's its own worst enemy and people start to go, well, do you know what? It was a fantastic thing, the internet, while it was around. But then, you know, what with bots and the danger of malware and, uh, you know, the fact that I was getting pushed attitudes, which were just totally scandalous, I just couldn't have any time for it. Isn't there a danger that a lot of the, maybe not the internet as a whole, perhaps, but, you know, a lot of these sites... We'll just go by the wayside. Well, that, that's just Darwinism, and, and it's the way it should be, surely. Well, this is this is it, and this is this fracturing that I was talking about. So, so yeah. these 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 social networks will just fracture off into places that people actually want to hang out in, right? And I'll, I want to hang out in a place that's well moderated. I don't want to be hanging out in a place where blue checkmark people who pay a subscription are prioritised in their hurling their abuse at me. So, you know, it's uh, <laughs> it's 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 one of those things where you you you, you get you know uh, you. Well, not you quite. You get what you pay for, but you get what you put energy into, right? And and where I mean, what what as an ethicist, I would say is that really these, you know, the space between law catching up and the technology needs to be inhabited by the people that actually create the technology, and they need to be thinking about well, what are the potential impacts? How can we, um, you know, how can we mitigate those? Like so so bring in content moderators, bring in, um, you know, methods for automatically detecting bots, bring in, I don't know, if you want to, I guess, real name policies, but that, that's not going to help really with any of those issues because people are still quite happy to do it anyway. Mm, but but nice like, you know, bring in some of these mitigating factors. But then I, I think I think Elon Musk and X have really shown just how bad it could get if you just like leave it alone or do the bare minimum, right? And I think that actually it's a good warning uh, to to other tech companies that it's worthwhile continuing to invest in these kind of mitigation strategies and, and content moderation and kind of people first um, uh, policies within their technical. Spaces. So forty four billion he spent, didn't he, buying yeah. Twitter? Uh, so, so, and you think it just could just go by the wayside? Oh, it's well, already he's gone. gone. He's he's gone. gone. <laughs> yeah, he's got forty four billion to throw around. But just as we reach us to the conclusion on this, Catherine, do you have any great faith though that we will have a kinder, more pleasant experience online anytime soon? The things you've been talking about, do you have any sense they will actually happen? So, I mean, I do and I don't. So I think that they will, but I think it has to be kind of a people-driven thing, not a profit-driven thing. And so this, I have my, my kind of, um, my holdout hope is for things like, and I'm not saying this Mastodon and, and Federate, you know, the Fediverse, as they call it, is, is likely to be the thing that will do it. But I think it needs to be a, um, a democratized, like decentralized uh, version of, of what we've gotten 
gotten used to. So, I mean, email is a great kind of comparison, right? Everyone has an email account. You can send an email to anyone in the world. I mean, that's a great like level playing field, right? And and so I think there needs to be a similar thing for 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 social media. And I mean, there are some things that are like that. So there are, you know, and and like for example. Um, you know, the most Mastodon servers run on, on donations. They're run by volunteers. Uh, I think Reddit was a good example up until they I know, kind of crashed it hard, you know, a few months ago when they, because they have volunteer moderators. I mean, it's free to, to view and all that sort of thing. Um, but they, the, 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 the spaces are run by kind of specialist local moderators and that they build up those communities. And I think and you kind might of, pay for that, mind you. I mean, you, well, yeah, you, you, you could operate as, yeah. you could operate as a cooperative. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, my, my Mastodon server, it runs purely off donations that are done through the um, there's an open source kind of collection um, uh, democ- democratically like transparent and all this st- stuff and and it helps to to run the uh, sh- show all the receipts for you know like it's all open and transparently done so it's not you know just moderators skiving off with a bunch of Sometimes cash. Sometimes that's the answer. With, then let's just get the world to join your Mastodon server. I don't know no, how much capacity don't. you've got. Well, that, that's, that's the problem. No. That's the problem. People won't. It, it's always going to be a minority thing. I just have this fear well, of it. But, but every social media is a minority thing. Not every. You're not going to get one social media that everybody's on. It just it didn't happen with Twitter either. Twitter was was no. never a, a majority. If anything, Facebook was the majority. And and I mean, I, I certainly not have not been on Facebook book in about a decade either so well, it, it's it's about where your friends are it's about where you want to hang out it's about where the people that well, you want to influence are that's where it that's what it's there about we are. let's leave it there because you've just aged roger and i because obviously we're we're the age where we're still on facebook all the time and we think it's marvelous i'm not i'm not on facebook at all <laughs> anyway great to talk and uh, yeah some interesting insights and we'll see how the wild west emerges uh, good to talk catherine Thank you very much. And I wonder whether actually the uh, the the Tory Party is also moving into the Wild West territory as well. It's certainly ah. the uh, we've got the Tory Party conference about to start. We're going to look at this next week, of course. But I mean, where are they headed? I mean, they do seem to be moving well, firm- firmly to the right, firmly into the into the areas that even I suppose the right of the Tory Party in the past might not have gone into, including. Well, saying some things that, that we thought probably weren't in the window of acceptability, but clearly Well, you're are. talking about Suella Braverman, talking about whether gay people are yeah. uh, should have the right to asylum. Yeah, they should stay yes, in... Yes, and whether we should get out of the European uh, Convention on Human Rights, things like that. There just were never yeah. areas that the Tory party yeah, went yeah, before. Yeah, exactly. And then there's, uh, you know, let's, let's abandon projects which have been, uh, you know, at, at the very core of conservative policy, like HS2. Let's just abandon, the, mm. you know, uh, so you can go from somewhere north of London to Birmingham rather than from the centre of London to Manchester and Leeds, uh, which is a bit of a step back. I mean, that has got White Elephant written all over it, if that is what happens. Uh, So, I mean, uh, to save money, all because it's seen as being expensive and therefore most people see it as being expensive, therefore the best thing to do is to get shot of it because that is going to win votes. I mean, one of the odd things, yeah, one of the odd things is that Manchester is the place that was supposed to benefit most from HS2 and Manchester's where they're holding the conference at which it looks like they'll be saying we're not doing it anymore. So, uh, you know, there's a bit of misstepping, I think, going on. But also most of it is red meat, I guess, for the red wall, an attempt to try and 
get the people who they think will back them in, in the next election and turn the polls around so that Labour is no longer ahead. Right, but how many? I, the polls I've seen, I mean, they are they are losing ground even even amongst those uh, red wall voters. So uh, I wonder whether this red meat approach is going to work. Anyway, we'll look and see uh, next week whether whether the shift to the right for the Tories is exactly what's needed. Is it enough to save them, uh, or is it just going to make things worse for them? Because it um, certainly looks yeah. like a party in disarray, doesn't it? Well, the nasty party, as Theresa May once described them, does seem got to nastier. be well. Does seem to be on the way back. Uh, we will talk about all that next week here on the Y Curve. Thanks for listening. Catch you next week. Bye. The Y Curve.